0: Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. Once a year, a number of selfless New Yorkers spend a cold winter's night canvassing city parks, subways and other public spaces to count the number of people living on the city streets. It's for the annual homeless outreach population estimate, also known as the Hope Count. Today, I'm speaking with Sandra Lobo. She's the director of the Dorothy Day Center for Service and Justice, which organizes Fordham volunteers for the annual Hope Counts event. Also joining us is Jillian Abali, a Fordham Jr. who served as both a Hope Counts volunteer and group leader. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. morning. So I'd like to start with Sandra. What's the goal of the Hope Count event?
1: The goal of the Hope Count is really to um, get an estimate of the street homeless individuals. So volunteers canvass parks and public spaces and subways to really get a sense of who is out on the street, who's uh, homeless. And so that really helps the city um, get a, a sense of how their outreach is doing, how, if it's accurate, what other supportive services are necessary. And it really is a way to assess the outreach work that is already happening as well. Now, how did
0: the whole program start?
1: The program started a number of years ago under the, the Bloomberg administration, and it really is a way of, again, um, getting a sense of the homeless population. And so uh, Bloomberg's administration works with a number of nonprofit organizations throughout the city, um, that helped to host the, the Hope Count, and um, it also reflects the work that they're doing in, in the community. So, for example, our community partner here at Fordham um, was Bronx Works. It's the largest settlement house here in the Bronx, and they're a really amazing organization. They've worked with us and partnered with us um, as Fordham as a site for many years, and they are solely responsible for reducing the number of homeless individuals in the Bronx, uh, street homeless individuals. And so the hope count really is an assessment of how their outreach is doing, how, how the, the, their outreach workers and how all of their shelters are really capturing the folks who really need the most support.
0: Now, I do want to back you up, Sandra. What, what exactly do you mean by Bronx Works, your, your community partners? What okay. does that mean?
1: Fordham University partners with BronxWorks, uh, who is our community partner, um, in addition to Department of Homeless Services. So because BronxWorks has experience on the ground working with homeless individuals, um, they have this really great uh, uh, room called the Living Room that is a space for street and homeless individuals to come in for the night to get a warm meal and to have a place to stay. Because of those kinds of services that they offer, their sense of on the ground, they really are a support the night of the hope count in terms of interacting with the homeless uh, population. So while our students are out in the neighborhood canvassing and serving individuals, um, when an issue arises, for example, if a homeless person is in need of services, then Bronx Works is really uh, a support to uh, connecting those individuals with the resources that they need.
0: So if somebody is homeless and they need medical attention or if someone's homeless and they, they need some sort of food service or something along those lines, that's the responsibility of Bronx Work.
1: Absolutely. So they, they serve as um, our partners in ensuring not only that the survey is conducted properly, but also that the individuals who they survey who indeed are homeless get shelter if they need shelter and get other supportive services if they ask for them.
0: As I stated, you're the director of the Dorothy Day Center. How did the Dorothy Day Center, that's a part of Fordham University, how does that work? How does that tie into the the count? Sure.
1: So uh, Fordham University's Dorothy Day Center, Uh, has been connected to the Hope Count for many years. Uh, In fact, the first year that we were involved, we sent a large number of volunteers over to Lehman College, because as I mentioned before, there are a lot of different sites across the city. Um, In fact, there's a total of 3,000 survey areas that are covered the night of the Hope Count. And so Lehman College was one of the sites where we were sending our volunteers, and we had so many volunteers that uh, DHS and Bronx Works invited us to be a host site because the Bronx was not being surveyed uh, completely. So they were in very much in need of volunteers that night. So we um, agreed and became a host site ever since.
0: And so that's how the, the, the whole uh, program was, was started here.
1: Yes. So uh, Fordham University became a host site, and now in addition to Lehman and all the other sites in the Bronx, Fordham University also serves as a host site to survey those areas across the Bronx.
0: I know the count takes place between 12 a.m. and 4 a.m. in the middle of winter. So why choose this very cold, very dark time? Why?
1: That's a great question. The logic behind that is that uh, folks who are out um, on the street in one of the coldest, darkest uh, days of the year... Really don't have any other place to turn to, and so it really is hoping that it is uh, reflecting the most accurate count of homeless individuals.
0: How accurate do you find that the count is
1: so the there's a methodologies to uh, the survey to the count um, and so there's a specific way in which uh, the surveyors the, the volunteers go out and interview people they have to interview every single person who they encounter whether they look home you know stereotypically look homeless or not. And um, there's a way in which they ask the question. So that's a very particular uh, way of, of conducting the survey. In addition, uh, DHS also um, uh, puts out decoys. And so these are folks who are strategically placed in various areas who are not homeless but are, um, are there to see if they will be counted. And so that's part of the methodology. If they are, if they are uh, discovered and they are counted, um, then that really uh, serves to... Uh, ensure that the, we really are covering the spaces that we say that we're covering. And if they're not counted, then that is included in in us estimating how many folks we might have missed.
0: How do you seek out your volunteers, first of all, and what steps do you take to get us prepared?
1: Sure. So, the Dorothy Day Center for Service and Justice works uh, with a variety of, organ- of departments on campus, and we put out the announcement uh, really across the university for folks to, to get involved, both uh, as a volunteer and as a group leader. Um once that's done, we really invite students to to take part in two two different ways. First, group leaders are invited to come and be trained by us ahead of time and so because they're group leaders and they're going to be taking on both a uh, leader role as well as a facilitator role, we really provide them with some special attention about what is necessary for them to take on the night of the count um there's a standard DHS training process that every individual uh, undergoes, which, under you know, covers the methodology, covers the way in which to conduct the survey and all of
0: that. And DHS is Department of Human Services?
1: Yeah, Department of Homeless Services. Homeless Services. Yes. Um, What I uh, think it might be interesting to to know is that what's unique about Fordham really is that um, in addition to the standard training, what we do the night of the count is that we um, include a larger context for students to understand the plight of homelessness, um, to understand their own uh, stereotypes that they might be bringing with themselves to the experience and to be aware of those. Um, and opportunities for them to c- get connected uh, afterwards. So that's kind of a, a unique add on that we've done, uh, kind of reflecting our Jesuit tradition.
0: Now we want to talk to Jillian about your experience. How did you decide to get involved with, with Hope Count?
2: Uh, well, I was connected to the Dorothy Day Center my freshman year at Fordham, um, and it just came, kind of seemed a natural process to do the Hope Count. What do you mean um, connected? Uh, Well, I did um, Urban Plunge as an incoming freshman, which is our pre-orientation program that the Dorothy Day Center does, and it really um, is an orientation to Fordham and its involvement in the community, because part of the Dorothy Day Center mission is to create mutually beneficial relationships, so... For freshmen coming into Fordham, it's really a way for them to be introduced to the Bronx community because it is where they'll be living for the next four years. Um, so I got connected to the Dorothy Day Center through Urban Plunge uh, and it just kind of seemed a natural inclination to want to help out with the Hope Count uh, when when the call was put out for volunteers that year.
0: Describe your first experience with Hope Count.
2: Uh, cold. Because <laughs> um, it's in very January, cold. right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> It was, I mean, it was unlike anything that I I had ever done before, um, especially coming from a, a rural area of Pennsylvania, uh, definitely not accustomed to going out in the city streets at um, between midnight and 4 a.m.
0: The first count you did, were you a freshman?
2: Yes, I was. Um,
0: had you been comfortable walking around the Bronx, or was this one of your first experiences really getting out at night in the Bronx?
2: Yeah, I, I suppose what you could say that it was my first experience really getting out at night. Um, I had done some exploring it just in the, the immediate area around Fordham, but not extensively throughout the Bronx. So that was another interesting part to be able to go to a part of the Bronx that um, I had definitely never seen before, that I had never been around.
0: This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon discussing the annual Homeless Outreach Population Estimate, unofficially known to Fordham students as the HOPE Count, with Director Sandra Lobo and HOPE volunteer Jillian Abali. Jillian, did you know a lot about homelessness before getting involved with Hope?
2: Uh, No, actually, but at least in my group experience, um, because of the, the organizations that we visited, that wasn't exactly one of their focuses. So Hope Count was really that introduction to understanding homelessness in New York City. And it was important for me to remember that Hope Count is definitely not a solution to homelessness. And so... Following up with the Dorothy Day Center after Hope Count was what was really essential to um, contextualizing it more. Uh,
0: Did you find that there was a major mm -hmm. difference or small difference between being a volunteer and also leading a group, which you did recently, correct? Yes, I did. So what, what were the differences?
2: Being a leader sophomore and my junior year um, has really allowed I mean it was a process for myself to really to really think about not only how I was experiencing homelessness that night but how my group members were Um, it's really a process to try to engage them and so I was challenging myself to see how well I can engage my group leaders to really think about you know they're not just going out into the Bronx to walk around in the middle of the night there's there's a purpose for it there are pros there are cons um,
0: Okay, so Jillian, do you want to talk about the experience, the pros and cons of being out on the street late at night talking to uh, homeless people?
2: As a group leader, it's definitely difficult to ensure that your team members feel comfortable asking the survey. Because right off the bat, I asked them, who wants to ask the questions? Everyone looked at me like, no thanks, I I don't want to be the first one to do it. So, um really leading by example, you being, being unafraid to go up to someone and really talk to them, um, and to engage with them, um, that's definitely a challenge, uh, to make sure that your team members feel comfortable doing it, because it's really, especially the area that I was in, um, in this year was the Pelham Parkway area, not too far from here, and, that we didn't run into anyone really that night. So it was a very quiet night. So it was really a process of trying to get them to engage with the people that we did run into. Um, And even though they weren't, you know, there were no experiences that really hit them hard or, you know, really made them wake up to the experience of homelessness, that they were still asking questions um, and still really trying to figure out why they were there that night.
0: So Sandra, how do you train the volunteers to be aware Of potentially dangerous situations when they're out you know canvassing different areas and talking to homeless people or potentially homeless people that's
1: an interesting question because um, we've been participating in the hope camp for for many many years and we've never had any incident in fact um, in the 13 years that I've been directing the Dorothy Day Center we've never had any um, incident uh, with students who are volunteering in the Bronx community and so when we're thinking about it in the context of this, of of serving homeless individuals, what we find is that homeless individuals are actually more afraid of folks that are coming to approach them and ask them questions. And so, in fact, one, one of the things that we talk about within the training is that you never approach uh, anyone as a crowd, right? That while the groups are going out in groups of five to seven, that – two folks from that group will go out and individually ask those questions to a person because it can be incredibly intimidating to have a group of 10 people approach your space. So, um, you know, we, we encourage students to have common sense. Um, that We give them our uh, contact information Uh, Back at Fordham, and we have vehicles um, on call at any moment to go pick people up or to support them, and all of that. Um, And so that's something that they know that they can rely on. Something also that's uh, that they you know we failed to mention earlier is that the DHS partners with NYPD, and NYPD um, determines which survey areas get a NYPD escort. And so there are about 10 uh, groups, 10, 10 groups that had NYPD officers as their as escorts.
0: Now, what do you mean by escorts, meaning that they're just the uh, police are in the area or are the police actually walking with the group?
1: The police are actually walking with the group. And so uh, the way that it works is NYPD usually, um, you know, t- just hanging out in the back and just being a w- just being um, connected to the group. They're not part of the survey. They don't ask questions or any of that, but they're just connected to the group and-, and walking alongside them.
0: And no one finds that um, this is that the homeless are a little bit more apprehensive because a police officer is there?
1: Well, we, we have experienced uh, apprehension from folks on the street when they see NYPD connected to them. And we certainly encourage NYPD officers to kind of hang back and, um, you know, be just a supportive role and to not be part of the, any of the interviewing or any, any of the surveying process so that they are, they are there, they're a resource, but they're really not engaged in the process at all.
0: Um, Jillian talked a little bit about going to the sides of the streets and, and making sure people are comfortable talking to the homeless. So how do you set it up so that w- the volunteers are knowledgeable and comfortable and, and ready to go out at midnight to talk to homeless people? Mm-hmm. Well,
1: I think Jillian really um, said it well wh- in terms of thinking about how we set up and support and train the group leaders Uh, they are really instrumental in ensuring not only that the methodology is accurate, but also that the team members feel comfortable, that they are engaged, that they're asking questions. And if they're not asking questions, the the group leaders really are engaging those students in that way. And so for us, um, it's important to note that the hope count is a great thing. It's a it's a really wonderful opportunity to really um, capture a moment in time of who is street homeless. However, it's just one count. That's all it is, and we won't don't want the hope count to. Um, allow us to get distracted from the real work that needs to get done, which is to eradicate the root causes of homelessness altogether, right? It's through a systemic view and lens. And so for us, while it's important for students to have this experience and to learn about homelessness through this one moment in time survey, um, we also want students to have a sense of what that larger context is and to ask those questions. And if they are not asking the questions, to be engaged in a really authentic and intentional way about those questions. How many
0: questions are on the survey?
1: It's a short survey. Uh, I believe there's not more than 10 questions on the survey.
2: I was just going to say, uh, it's important. I I made sure that my team members were always thinking about the fact that this is a survey of street homeless, meaning that there are more than 40,000 people that are homeless that are already in the system. So that was really, because it can be easy to forget, you're walking around, you don't see anyone that night. Oh, homelessness isn't a problem. But I think it's important to remember there are 40,000 plus people in the system that the system has touched. So um, these are people that haven't been reached by the system.
0: Now I know during the Fordham training, volunteers watch a video about a homeless man named Maurice Johnson. Uh, Sandra, what is his story and why do you have the volunteers watch this video?
1: Every year we choose a different video that really reflects um, a different experience of uh, homelessness. And this year we chose that particular video. Um, It was a video that talked about a man who had uh, two masters and a PhD, um, a man of color, and he was a homeless individual. And so he um, was really struggling with some illness in his family. And he spent a lot of time taking care of his family. And when the economy went down, he lost his job and he pretty much lost everything. Um, So when his, uh, I believe it was his father, passed away, um, he did everything that he could to save the house um, of his parents. Um, But because he lost his job, he really was not able to do that. And so in that effort of, of saving the house, Um, He really lost everything that he had, all of his savings and all of that. And so that for us was a really important uh, story to tell, right, because it counters our stereotypes about who homeless individuals are and why they are homeless, right? And it really acknowledges that for many of us, we're just one paycheck away from becoming homeless. Um, and an important piece that we added to as an introduction to that video was to acknowledge that our stereotypes are that people of color, you know, are the stereotypical homeless person. And we wanted to kind of name that um, going forward in saying that uh, that the majority, you know, that is not doesn't reflect the majority of people who are homeless, right? But we really wanted to choose his story because it countered what we the preconceived have, right. notions exactly. someone might have.
0: Exactly. How did that um Jillian, how did that video affect you?
2: Or did it? Um, I think that it's something important to to remember. Um it definitely you don't you don't think that every homeless person you pass on the street has a two P, two masters and a PhD. Um, and I think it was important uh, contextualization for my team members specifically because I do remember one year I don't I don't think it was my group but another group leader was telling me that there was someone in their group that said oh that that person doesn't look homeless we don't need to go up to them because they were wearing uh, a, a tie carrying a briefcase wearing a, a suit and um, they actually were homeless and so it's really essential to kind of put aside all of your preconceived notions, all of your stereotypes of, of people, um, especially to, to make sure that you're really engaged that night and that the Hope Count is is being as ex- successful as possible. So how
0: did you know who to go up to and ask the questions on the survey?
2: You have to go up to everyone, uh, whether you think that they're homeless or not. Um, so that's definitely an exercise in being open-minded. Um but you go up to everyone um, unless if they're they're sleeping, uh, you're not supposed to wake them unless it's a code blue, which means that it's extremely cold outside. It's below freezing. Um, and therefore, if they if they don't wake up, you would want to call 911 and make sure that they got medical attention. Um, so you go up to everyone. Sometimes you can see people shying away. I had a few people run away from us when they saw us coming. Um, so you just go up to everyone, talk to everyone, because you never know who you're going to find um, and who's who wants to get services that evening. So. so
0: did your group at all, Jillian, have a discussion at all about uh, what you experienced that night? Um, or uh, later on, you know, later on as time went on, did you guys have a chance to discuss that?
2: Well, after the count, I definitely told them. They all had my cell phone number. I told them to stop into the office and talk to me. Um, it was i mean when you're done that night you're cold you're tired it is difficult to, to encourage discussion at that point um but definitely before uh before we went out it it was it was key to be able to go over we had a list of of facts you know 40,000 more than 40,000 people are homeless the majority of those people are families that are on the streets um and so it was important to at least give them those facts uh it's an interesting experience, Home Count, because it is a, a one-time service project. You do attract a different audience than you do with consistent, consistent volunteering. Most of my group were actually compelled to be there for a class project, so for them they were experiencing it a little bit differently than someone who is routinely connected to the Dorothy Day Center. Um, that is, It was just their way of helping out. So I think that it was really important for me to provide them with the facts to at least get them thinking, even if they weren't 100% engaged right then and there.
0: You are training volunteers. They go out, they canvas these areas. You come back with this data. What do you do with it with all this data that you have? Right, so as
1: uh, Jillian mentioned before, you interview literally every single person you encounter on the street. So whether it is you know someone who's just walking out um, on the street out of a subway and they're walking down the street with you, you have to interview them. And so um, when you come back, you um, divide up your surveys for those who you've. Uh, Uh, deemed to be homeless and those that are not homeless and they're just divided in that sense and so um, a survey area will will be designated of having four homeless individuals for example that you encounter that night or there'll be zero and so that all that data um, specifically connected to where you found that individual um, is all then collected and will be analyzed back at DHS and then that information goes out to the social service organizations who are doing work
0: in those communities. How long does it take to process that information?
1: DHS hasn't put the, the numbers out yet, but uh, there usually is a pretty quick process, only within like a week or two or, or a little bit more than that, that they put out the numbers.
0: Sandra, you've been involved with Hope Counts for a number of years. Have you seen any changes over the last few years in homelessness or the way homelessness is tackled in New York City?
1: Well, there are really some amazing organizations that are um, getting to the root cause of homelessness that are really um, working towards social change. Um, As we mentioned before, um, Picture the Homeless, for example, is an organization that is organizing homeless people themselves to advocate on their own behalf and to address policies that they find unjust. And so one of the things that we've done, over the past couple of years and every year, I think it, we do it better and better is to have a post-Hope Count event where we invite students to come and reflect on their experience of Hope Count while inviting some of these community partners like Picture the Homeless to come and share the plight of homelessness and to share their personal experiences of what that process has been like. And so at Lincoln Center, we had... Picture the Homeless as well as Covenant House folks come and talk about that. And so it's really incredible how much, um, just with it, especially within the last couple of years, the, the work um, that Picture the Homeless has been doing with homeless individuals and the impact that they're making systemically.
0: Sandra, there are some homeless advocates that are semi-critical of the HOPE count. Uh, they've called it, quote, an inaccurate means of measuring the homeless. So how do you respond to this?
1: Well, I completely understand and and agree. Um, I believe since it's only a moment in time, um, there really is no way of knowing whether it's fully accurate or not. Um, At the same time, I think it's a useful resource to to, to get some sort of baseline line of of what the count is and then try to um, compare that year to year to understand whether or not um, the services and the outreach is working. Um, And I think it reflects the numbers of... um, Folks that people are engaging in the community. So, for example, I mentioned Bronx Works earlier um, that they um, they run several different shelters, including the living room that I mentioned. And the numbers that came in and the places in which they found those homeless individuals were not a surprise to those folks. That they are engaging those folks, and it's a process of really working with them to connect them to services. And so, um, it's not at all um, a solution but it is uh, helpful to to point people and services in the direction of where they find homeless individuals.
0: Jillian, how has this experience changed you?
2: The experience has changed me in that it is a constant reminder that you need to keep working towards affecting the root causes of such things like homelessness, hunger, poverty, um, because Hope Count is as Sandra mentioned, a, a moment in time. So even if DHS directs its services there, that doesn't mean that the root cause is being, um, is being addressed. So I think that it's, it's a constant reminder that you can go out for one night, you can do this wonderful thing that's very helpful in trying to reduce homelessness or at least get people off the streets, um, but it's not, it's not the cure-all. It's not the solution to, to homelessness.
0: And I know Picture the Homeless at one point um, put out a statement saying that there are a number of vacant buildings across New York City. And if we were to take these ba- vacant buildings, they could actually be turned into places where there would not be any more homeless if these buildings were prepared for them to live in. Do you have a, a comment about that?
1: Absolutely. I. It- it doesn't make sense to me to to warehouse some of these buildings, um, waiting for the economy to get better, so that folks can make more money off of them when we have homeless people's on the street. You know who who can't find housing, who can't afford to be um, paying for an SRO even. Um, SRO. So, sorry, a single room occupancy. Um, and so yeah, it just it doesn't make sense.
0: Earlier you said you would like to see this. Um less counting and more doing? Is there a chance that your organization will ever move in that direction?
1: Well, the Dorothy Day Center supports a variety of different opportunities. And so we've partnered, as I mentioned before, with Bronx Works to to make uh, Hope Count happen um, and to support it in the Bronx. And we definitely feel like that's that's uh, something that's really, really important. But we offer uh, hundreds of opportunities for students to get connected in the community. And so just... um, with community partners, we have probably over 200 community organizations that we work with, where students can get involved and get get connected. And one of our mantras that we talk about all the time is the two feet of social action, um, which we also mentioned the night of the hope count, which is um, the one foot is direct service, right? That it's really essential that students um, are connected to. Direct service that they understand the plight of homelessness through the voice, through the actual experience of someone who's been homeless. And at the same time, that's not enough, right? That if we were if we were always to be working in soup kitchens or always tutoring children, it's not going to change the educational system. It's not going to change the plight of homelessness, right? That in twenty or forty years, we'll still have the need for tutoring and still have the need for soup kitchens. So at the same time. That we're engaging folks on the ground, we are also actively working to eradicate the need for those services. Um, As a social worker, um, I think uh, unfortunately my my field hasn't done enough of this. But we, you know, our job is to get
0: ourselves out of a job. Yeah, become obsolete because help just that many people. Absolutely, I think that is all the questions I had. Um, Is there anything that we didn't touch on that you'd like to? That you'd like to touch on? Um,
1: well, I actually just brought one quote with me, if Please you do. don't mind uh, me sharing that. So, um, former Superior General of the Jesuits, Father Kovenbach, stated in an address at the 2000 Justice in Higher Education Conference that students, in the course of their formation, must let the gritty reality of this world into their lives so they can learn to feel it, think about it critically, respond to its suffering, and engage it constructively. They should learn to perceive, think, judge, choose, and act for the rights of others, especially the disadvantaged and the oppressed. And while the Hope Count is just one example of that, the Dorothy Day Center really supports students in engaging that gritty reality that he talked about.
0: And personally, what does that quote mean to you?
1: It reflects all that I learned as an undergrad. It reflects uh, who I want to be and how I want to raise my children. Um, And it's the reason why I've been at Fordham for 13 years is because it's about Uh, transforming young people to know what they're really passionate about in a way that reflects supporting the world.
0: My thanks to Sandra Lobo, the director of the Dorothy Day Center for Service and Justice, and Hope Group leader Jillian Abali. Stay with us, George Bodarki and Cityscaper next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon.